All right. Hey, well, my name is John McGee, and this is my wife, Pam, of 20 years. And tonight... 21. Sorry. 21. 21 21 years. It's been one more than you. Yeah. Is it really? I guess it has been. Okay, let's do that again. (laughs) I'm going to cut that off. Sorry. This is... This is Johnny One Take. We're at one take from here. I'm sorry. All right. That's funny. All right. Well, hey, guys. uh, My name is John McGee, and this is my wife, Pam, of 21 uh, years. uh, 21 years of bliss. That's right. Correct, yeah. And uh, mostly bliss. And tonight, we're going to talk about about a topic that's incredibly important to marriage. And the topic is expectations— and how we handle them. Yeah, and so we all, you all, we all, we all have expectations. And expectations are just beliefs about what things will be or even what they, we believe they should be. Um, and they include behaviors, roles, big things like life and death and relationships, and little things just like details as well. And so we have expectations about everything all the time. Um, And they can be little, like I said, it could be what we're having for dinner, what we're watching on TV when we get home, or it can be when you said I do, you had an expectation about what the next 20 years would look like. And so there's even expectations when you walk in tonight. You walk into this room and you have an expectation about what the room will look and feel like, what the teaching will be like, what's going on in your small group tonight. All those things are expectations and every one of us have them. Yeah. And I think if you look back at some of the major conflict uh, in your marriage, so oftentimes that will have started with expectations and them being unmet. Right, whatever you, you've all got your your stories, and uh, you know it could be that uh, you were going out for a date that you both were looking forward to, and you'd been kind of waiting for all week, and you're both getting ready, and you you're going to come around the corner and expect your spouse to go. I mean, you look amazing, and instead they say, "Is, is that what you're wearing?" <laughs> and and uh, and then you get all defensive, and you shoot back, and they shoot back, and you put your pajamas on and watch Netflix from two different uh, rooms, right? And all it started was, uh, sometimes was just with some unmet expectations. And because unmet expectations are so prevalent um, and also potentially so damaging or so, uh, there's so much at stake, it's really important uh, that we get this right tonight. Yeah. And so expectations that are not met can lead to feelings of sadness, disappointment, frustration, and even just a deep anger. Yeah, and it can happen right there kind of in the moment. Uh, All that can happen, any one of those emotions. And I think it's been our experience that um, a lot of times that happens kind of over years, uh, moving from sadness all the way to, or disappointment all the way to uh, anger. And you'll, you'll see couples, you know, year one, they kind of wake up and go, huh, like, I might not have been dating that person. I think I dated their PR department, right? And a year two, you, it all comes into focus. Like, oh, no. Like, they're not who I thought they were. This is not the way I thought it would go. But that's okay, because I'll just change them, right? And I'll craft them into the ideal spouse that I've always wanted. And about five, six, seven years in, then you realize, oh, man, they, they might not change. And that's where some of the anger and real disappointment comes in. And uh, all of that generally is, uh, is kind of built and is a reaction to kind of unmet expectations. Yeah, and so a proverb that speaks to this is Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says, a hope deferred makes a heart sick, 
but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Yeah, and we all know I, the Proverbs, the writer of the Proverbs here is so wise. We know what that's like when we had this thing that we wanted. Uh, for, for some of us, it was a child, and we know what it's like to, to hold that, right, and just how full and right it feels. And conversely, uh, you know, we, we've lost a child. We know what it's like uh, to have, have this longing, this desire, and have it not fulfilled and just kind of how empty or hollow uh, that feels. And that, some of that uh, can be explained with, um, with language around expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know we all have expectations. So where do they come from? So we want to talk a little bit about where expectations come from. Yeah, and it's really, I think, it's a really important step to think about where these expectations come from. Above, above all else, if we could just chase it back and realize where it came from, a lot of times that'll be enough to kind of help us see clearly. So one of the big ones, uh, one of the biggest places expectations come from is our family of origin. And uh, I think a lot of times we discount that, but it is absolutely it's prevalent. Huge. We were laughing about some stuff um, last night but um, early on in our marriage, I remember walking down this hallway in our house and there was a box uh, one day. The next day there was two boxes and three boxes and they were stacking up. And I just said, babe, like what is going on? Like what are all these boxes doing uh, in our hallway? And she said, well, I'm waiting for you to put them up in the attic. And I, and I said, well, <laughs> so what, do you, what do you mean? She goes, well, that's your job. That's what the guys do. They put stuff in the attic. And so, uh, we, uh, you know, I, was, I, I looked at her kind of puzzled, and we began to talk it through. And, and what had happened was, and I actually remember seeing this in her house, was um, they had this really high um, attic that was hard to get to. You kind of had to be a contortion artist. And if you wanted something out of the attic, you just told her dad, and he kind of ran up there and magically got in and brought it down. And if you wanted it to go back, you put it at the bottom of the stairs, and he would kind of shuttle it uh, up, up and down. Well, in my house, if you wanted something out of the attic, you wouldn't got it yourself, man, you know? <laughs> and then when you were done, you better put it back. And so we just laughed, and it wasn't right or wrong. It was just a family of origin expectation. And so now on balance, even, I mean, even, like, True story, last night I was shuttling things in and out of the attic uh, for my family, and so that's where we landed uh, on that one. But, uh, <laughs> and you're passing it down to the boys. Passing, the boys and the boys. Now yeah. I've got kids. I just, I just sit there with a the remote and tell them to go put it up in the attic. Um, <laughs> but the way we think about receiving love, the way we think about spending money, the way we think about raising kids, managing our schedule, all of that can be informed uh, by our family of origin. It's really important to know it's not right or wrong sometimes. It's just uh, informed by our family yeah, of origin. just where it came from. And so it comes from lots of other places. Another place that expectations come from are other relationships outside of family of origin. So past dating relationships. Um, ladies, if there was a guy that treated you well or can, treated you badly, that can inform the expectations you have about the way your husband will treat you early on in marriage or dating. Um, also friendships, good or bad, the way you watch your friends parent, the way you watch your friends react with their spouse, the way you watch your friends vacation, all those things inform your expectations. And what's crazy is oftentimes those aren't reality. They're just the perception of what we think is going on. Yeah, so a, a real cl close corollary, not only our friends, but how we perceive them on social media or others on social media. And you guys know how, how that works. You go, you know, uh, you go on a vacation, you take 400 pictures, and you post your best one up. And so what we tend to do is we look at everybody's best picture compared to all of our pictures and go, well, man, they, they must have an amazing marriage. Their kids are incredible, and everything is always, you know, shiny and glossy uh, for them. But, but marriage and life isn't run through a filter, right? 
and so we, didn't, we shouldn't compare that, our lives, to someone's one best photo. Or on Facebook, people don't post up. You, don't ever, you never see this on a Saturday afternoon. You know, uh, little Johnny was up, you know, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, and he struck out. We lost the game. You, know? <laughs> you never see that. You know? Or I, I put on 10 pounds and feel terrible. You know? Ask me how I did that. You know? uh, <laughs> Everyone's always incredible. Everything, the kids are always great. They always hit home runs, get straight A's, and you always, and they always get promotions. And, and we don't. And we go, well, man, what's wrong with us? And, and specifically as replied to marriage, they're always smiling. Sometimes I'm not. And it's good to realize where uh, those expectations. Also, kind of media in general. So movies, television, all those kind of things. And I remember sitting with a lady and she came into my office with her husband and she said, I just want my husband to feel about me the way Tom Cruise feels about Katie Holmes. And so kind of a cultural reference, if you remember that, uh, Tom Cruise was on Oprah and uh, couldn't even speak. He was jumping up on the couch and screaming and yelling. He's like, I'm in love, you know, I'm in love. And at that point it was, uh, and, he, and he kept saying, um, I've never felt this way before. I've never felt this way before. I was just acting like an idiot. And... Um, and at that point, it was the third time he'd never felt that way ever before, and, uh, and now they're divorced. But she came in, and, this, and she said, I want him to feel that way, uh, the way Tom Cruise feels about Katie Holmes. And it was an affair, and it was new, and all that kind of stuff. You know? And I, I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry, uh, but that's not what people do when they're in love, Right? That's what people do when they're like on crack or they're just kind of in a, in a new, new relationship. But that's not normal. And we benchmark against that uh, social, uh, social media or all things media in general. And we get some really skewed views, okay, including pornography. And a lot of times it's just helpful to know that when you're, you've got these unmet, unmet expectations kind of sexually, to, to realize that it wasn't that your expectations came like when you were reading your Bible, like having a quiet time through the book of Romans and go, man, I've got some great ideas uh, about our sex life, right? It came from oftentimes something that, that Christ had to die for. And when you just realize where that came from, I think it really is helpful as we talk, talk and think about expectations. Yeah, and so as John talked about, just reading through the book of Romans, so one, I mean, a lot of these were negative examples, but really expectations can come from the place they should be coming from, from God's word. I mean, just to watch the way a woman responds to her husband, a husband serves and loves his wife, um, those could also set great expectations for marriage and the way you respond to your spouse. That's great. Yeah, and so we've talked about, we know everybody has expectations. Um, we kind of know where they come from. And so now just to talk about the problems. So if we all have them, there's going to be some problems because we're human. And so just the problems that those present. And this has been really helpful. Um, our friend Scott Stanley talks about this and some other communication techniques in Lasting Promise. And these are really helpful, especially they've been for me. So anybody that knows me, I'm a planner. Like I love to rally people and get stuff on the calendar and do fun things with community group and with family and um, to the detail to the sometimes, um, you know, tiresome of my, make my husband tired um, with some of the details. I just love to plan things. And so that's fine, but with that comes lots and lots of expectations. And so early on in marriage, I'd find myself kind of sad or disappointed and not understand why. And as we started reading and looking at some of this, I realized, I think I've got expectations about every tiny little thing in life. And so listen for these. They're really helpful. I think the first one 
It's just that you oftentimes can be unaware of your expectation. Um, and so you're sad, disappointed, frustrated. You kind of don't know why. And then you realize, hey, I had an expectation about this that was not met, and I just wasn't even aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is that your expectations could be unreasonable. Um, they could be unreasonable. And um, so I would have to say that John is amazing, um, pretty amazing to be married to, but he's not Jesus. I'm not married to the perfect man. And so all my expectations of him are not always met. And oftentimes it's because they're not reasonable. So ladies, maybe the expectation of hours and hours of long, meaningful conversations on the couch with your husband um, or guys, the expectation of sex every night might be a little bit unreasonable, especially if you've got a bunch of little ones running around. Um, you know, the expectation of my spouse will always make me happy. Um, so guess what? You guys aren't married to Jesus either. Um, and they're not going to always make you happy. Mm -hmm. And so just to realize um, that's not John's job to make me happy, and um, he's not going to 100% because he's not perfect, just like I'm not going to always make him happy. Some of those expectations are unreasonable. Yeah. And another one is that, that I will, another unrealistic expectation mm -hmm. is I will always feel in love. Yeah. I'll always be passionate about uh, being married to this person. And kind of a universal experience. Uh, everyone that I know that's been married to any length of time, they kind of have a story that looks just like this, that uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, they, they roll over at kind of three o'clock. Uh, it's, it's dark. They're groggy. They look at their spouse. Their hair's matted, you know, drool coming out of the side, and they go, really? You know, like, did I, did I not have a better option than, than that? Uh, and, and, and at that moment, then what you do with that has a lot to do with the state of your marriage. But everybody at some point won't feel uh, in love. But I think loving actions bring about loving feelings uh, oftentimes. But it is unrealistic to always feel uh, amazing and passionately uh, in love with your spouse. Okay, another one, gals, that we, we see a lot is that women have these unrealistic expectations about men spiritually leading uh, their homes. And, and they will, you know, some of the things they want their husbands to do, like, man, I, I don't know. Like if, if somehow Billy Graham and a seminary professor and a Jesuit monk could like, you know, combine their super forces, I don't think they could pull off some of the expectations that some of these women uh, have, you know, and some of the stories and things they want from their husbands, uh, you know, I'm like, man, they're, they're, they're seven. They don't need to memorize the whole Old Testament, you know, from dad. And, uh, but I, I think it is reasonable to say, look, dad can initiate. He can initiate a conversation, okay? And, and guys, a lot of times the way they think about kind of their ideal spouse, I, um, you know, they say, this is what I really, especially our pre-marrieds, they'll say, this is what I'm looking for. You know, and they'll lay out this woman. It's like, you know, she's a supermodel and she's a gourmet cook and she's a CEO and this incredible lover of Jesus and like starts orphanages all over the world, you know, and just, and just to sit with this guy and go, listen, like if, if that woman existed, if, if she did, like, she's not marrying you, dude, you know, <laughs> and I just think, I think we've built up some things that just candidly, no one, no one can do no one can be, and they're really, uh, they really are unrealistic. Yeah, and so the last one, so maybe you have expectations you're aware of. Maybe they're reasonable, but you're just not speaking them. So expectations can often be unspoken. So our spouse can't read our minds. Contrary to popular belief, John does not know what I'm thinking all the time, vice versa. Only the Lord knows my heart and knows everything that's in my mind. And so speaking our expectations, becoming aware, and then letting our spouse know um, 
yeah, what's on our minds, what we're thinking, what we're planning for the weekend, what we've got going on tonight. Yeah, and it's amazing how oftentimes we don't speak our expectations, and when we don't, how different those expectations are, right? And so this has happened more than once in the McGee house. Uh, I'll ask Pam, and I'll say, hey, what do we have tonight? And she goes, nothing. We have nothing. <laughs> so at that moment, kind of the plan that I'm hatching and the plan that Pam is hatching uh, oftentimes look nothing uh, alike, right? And I've got some definitive ideas about what we could do with a night with nothing on the calendar, and so does she. And if we don't talk, right, there oftentimes is a problem if we don't speak them. The, the weekends, it was kind of like Groundhog Day uh, for a season. We'd put our heads down kind of Monday through Friday, and we'd get to Saturday, and, we'd, and uh, you know, the coffee would be brewed, and both of us would say, it's going to be a great weekend because we're going to do X, and the other one will go, no, 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 we're not doing that. This is what we're doing, you know. And, and the great weekend was tanked before it even uh, started. And so we learned we had to start communicating like on Wednesday uh, about, uh, about the weekend. But even like how we want to be loved. And our spouse doesn't know. They're materially different than you are. And unless you let them know, they can't know. And just because they haven't moved towards you in the way that you want, uh, doesn't mean that they know and that the only plausible explanation is that they're not doing so out of spite. It could be they just don't know. And so you've got to make sure when you run up into an expectations problem that you, under, that, that you, have, um, you have spoken uh, these expectations. That is the opposite of kind of operating in this uh, mind game, read my mind uh, scenario. You've got to make sure that you uh, speak them. Yeah, yeah, and so that's just the better way. So for all these, um, there's a better way to handle expectations. And so the first one is just opposite of what we said before, just being aware of what your expectations are. So next time you come into a situation, you're frustrated, you find yourself sad or disappointed, just chase that back. Think, okay, there's an expectation here. Um, what is it? I want to be aware of what I'm thinking. Um, then the next one is just being reasonable about what you expect. Asking yourself, hey, would I want John to expect that of me? The same thing I'm expecting of him. Just is it reasonable? Um, is this done out of a loving servant mindset or is this just a demanding? Um, and just being willing to be flexible with your expectations. Um, and then the third one would just to be clear. We talked about that. Just knowing and then being able to humbly articulate, hey, here's what I'm expecting. I want to hear from you. That's my attitude. I want to come to oneness on this. Um, but here's what I'm expecting in a clear, kind of non-demanding way. Yeah, that's great. So, um, you know, I think that uh, this is going to happen continually, mm -hmm. right? In our marriages, we are going to always have unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have to learn how to deal with them. And that's what's so great about re-engage is really kind of every principle, every lesson is applicable uh, to this uh, area. And so uh, a few months ago, uh, Pam and I were coming back uh, from the lake. We had taken kids out and we were coming back uh, alone. And I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it went, I remember a couple of the things were just some questions and some decisions that needed to be made about house stuff and plans and summer plans and all that. And I didn't really want to talk about that, right? Because I wanted to just kind of have fun. Let's listen to music and, you know, whatever. Um, and so she kept doing that and I just kind of shut down. And so we, we really, um, you know, which, and I wasn't, I, it wasn't a, I wasn't um, consciously mad, you know, through that. I was just kind of done, just kind of working things out in my head. And we pulled up in the driveway, and, uh, I mean, it's just, like, vivid. Uh, Pam looks over at me with tears in her eyes, and she said, I was really looking forward to talking to you and being with you this drive. 
you know, and uh, it just crushed me. So in that moment, all the things that we talk about here in Reengage came to bear, right? Uh, there was confession. There was forgiveness that was asked for, forgiveness that was granted. Uh, there was grace. There was conflict that was resolved, and there was humility, right? And so you're going to have, this is going to happen uh, in your marriage. And you've got to decide as a couple how you're going to handle this. And are we going to honor it and kind of, or handle it in, uh, in God's way? Are we going to honor him in the way that we have uh, all these conflicts or all these um, kind of flare-ups around unmet expectations? And then even um, kind of beyond handling it, even getting out ahead of it. Right? And so Philippians 2, 3, and 4, which we talk about a lot in here, um, would be just to put your spouse and see your spouse as more important than yourself mm-hmm. and begin to ask them, what are your expectations? What are your hopes? What are your desires? All those kind of things, right? Uh, and then get out ahead of those and look, uh, and look to meet those. So you've got to decide how you're going to handle them as a couple. You've got to decide how you're going to handle it as an individual. And here's what I've learned about my, in my own life is that unmet, unmet expectations do an incredible job of surfacing idols in my heart, right? They do an incredible job of surfacing idols in your heart. Now, what's, what's an idol? It's not a little statue uh, that you bow down to or burn incense uh, to. It could be, but biblically, it's just something that becomes ultimate in your life. It could be something that, honestly, that's good. It could be kids. It could be uh, the hope of a, of a great conversation or of great sex or of money in the bank or any of those kind of things, which aren't inherently bad, but they just become ultimate, and the way you know they become ultimate is that when you don't have them, you get really, really mad. You get wrecked, right? It just wrecks your well-being, your heart, your soul, and you find no joy uh, in the situation. And oftentimes, unmet expectations will surface that. And so I think for all of us, when we find our expectations being unmet, and we find ourselves being really angry, it's good to chase back and say, have I made something that was good, God? And what we're trying to teach our kids and remind ourselves is that if we've got God, we're good, right? So if my wife doesn't want to talk to me, if we don't have sex, if we don't have money in the bank or our kids aren't healthy, we can be sad, but we don't have to be wrecked. And this year at the dance, you know, 15-year-old daughter, here it was, you know, they're waiting for the guys to call. Is he going to call? Is, any, is anybody going to call? Is the right guy going to call? I, and I just said, hey, Matt, you know what? Uh, Maddie's my 15-year-old's name. Hey, if, if the, the guy you want to ask you, ask you, you're good. Not because he asked you, uh, but because God has, has chosen you already. And if the wrong guy asks you, or if nobody asks you, and I drive you up to that dance all alone, you're good because you have got God. And the same thing happens over and over in our marriages. We've got these desires and we're hoping they get met and they don't. How do we handle them? Well, if God is ultimate, we can be sad, we can be disappointed, but we don't have to be wrecked. And a psalm I've come back to over and over and over again uh, this last year, Psalm 73, 25 through 26. And, and uh, the psalmist says, who have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's knowing no one or nothing I desire but you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God, you are my portion forever. The psalmist is saying, 
I've got you and I am good. And there's been many nights um, this last year I've gone to bed and it's not gone the way I thought it would go during the day. And I've had to remind myself over and over again, God, I've got you. I'm good. I'm good. Maybe that thing will come to fruition, but I'm not wrecked and it doesn't relieve me of my responsibility to move towards Pam or anyone else. I've got you and I'm good. So guys, you've got to make sure that your expectations are known, they're reasonable, they're clear. You're willing to listen to God, willing to listen to others. You guys have got to handle this well as a, as a couple, but you've got to handle this well as an individual. And make sure above all else, your deepest hope, your deepest desire is God and not your, anything your spouse can, can do uh, or be for you. So, you want to pray? Yeah, I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, so Father, we do confess that we have um, no one in heaven but you. And that if our hearts and our souls fail us, that um, you are our portion forever. And so we are good. And so we, um, I confess that and collectively we want to confess that, that we are good if we've got you. And so Father, forgive us when we put anything above you, when um, we get wrecked because things um, aren't working out, because we're more worried about um, people or stuff than you. And so, Father, um, we just trust that your plans for us are good, and that's what we want to confess. And so I do just thank you that you know every person um, and every couple in here. You know exactly where they are. You know what expectations they have. You know where they're feeling sad, disappointed, hurt, and frustrated, and angry. And, Father, I just pray that you would meet them here tonight, that you would encourage them, that they would leave with just hope, um, that your plans for them are for their hope and for their future, and that they would leave with that. And so just thank you that they're here. Thank you for what you do um, through your word and through your spirit um, and through your people that are here. In Jesus' name, amen.